Hey, Geeks and Geekettes, Slysmith and Retinex5 here. Do you know all the ways you can geek out with Geekin? You can search for Geekin Podcast and Blog on iTunes and the Stitcher app. You can always visit the blog for direct podcast download, post to our forum, and talk on the on-site chat room. And as always, you can find Geekin Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the show. Hey, Geeks and Geekettes, this is Slysmith. And I'm Retinex5, and you're listening to the Geekin Podcast. Welcome to Geekin' on DC's Destruction Defense, recorded live on December 19th, 2014. I felt that it's been way too, or maybe DC felt that it's been way too long since we had something to bitch about over Superman, Man of Steel. It's really odd that you, you say that. I was thinking about the new movie, uh, Batman vs. Superman, Superman vs. Batman, whichever way it's going to go. I, I, I still get confused on which one it is. The other day, I, I had one of those weird kismet moments where I sat there and I thought, they're still shooting this movie. It seems like they've been shooting this movie for like a year. And the day I thought that, I went online and they announced it was the last day of shooting. Oh, wow. <laughs> they had been shooting since January, and they just wrapped up, I think, at the end of November. That has to be one of the longest film shoots that I've – and I'm sure there were breaks, you know, a month off here, a month off there, while they were traveling from country to country, city to city. But it's just all year long, we've had so much news coming in because this movie has been shooting longer than – been her shot, it seems. Well, we have got a little bit of, of news. Some of it's a uh, rumor about the Batman versus Superman movie. Part of it, I, I get kind of excited over because we were right. We, we kind of called this. This is kind of what we wanted. And at the same time, I hate being that right. It's very funny the camps that people have fallen into when it comes to Man of Steel. Most people, most sensible people, I'm going to take the hardcore people on both sides out of this. And say that most people feel it was a good, exciting summer movie, but that it had a handful of really serious problems. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there are people on both sides. There's people who think it's the greatest Superman story ever told. And then there are people who think that it's just a horrible, terrible, terrible movie. It would seem that from what we've been hearing, these rumors that have come out about the the Batman versus Superman script that somebody apparently has read uh, shows that uh, Warner Brothers... Apparently heard some of the controversy, and they're, they're going to deal, allegedly, with a couple of the problems that most people, most sensible people had with the, with Man of Steel. The first issue that they've, they've addressed uh, in this rumor, uh, I feel it's kind of a cop-out, really. I mean, uh, they say that the reason for the destruction is that Superman's the new guy. Yeah. That he hasn't had a chance to learn all, how to use his powers correctly. He hasn't developed the strong moral code that we're used to seeing with Superman. And so he's the new guy and kind of messed up a little bit. Yeah, it, it is a cop-out. I mean, I, I try to look on their side in the sense that it's a different interpretation of the character. But at the same time, the Richard Donner film showed his first days as Superman, and he wasn't this much of a screw-up. One part of being a hero is you know how to do what is right. I don't think anybody who saw Man of Steel was questioning Superman's desire to do what is right. It's just common sense he seemed to be lacking. Uh, and saying, well, he gains that with experience. No, that's that was just poor writing. And just try and chalk it up as, well, he's, it's a learning curve. 
no, that, that like you said, that's a cop out. And I could go into the terrible parenting of Jonathan Kent. I think he ranks up there in, in the list of bad parents, along with uh, Anna and Elsa's parents from Frozen. Concealed, don't feel Clark. <laughs> I think he rates right up there at Michael Myers' parents in the Halloween remake. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so I think it's a cop out. I think it's a, a poor excuse for a lousy Superman. They want to do right. I mean, at the end of the day, the film was not as financially successful as people thought it should be. The film cost well over $200 million to make. Throw in another $150 million for advertising and prints. That's $350 million right there. It made about $500 million, maybe, maybe $550 million world, you know, worldwide. And the studios only get half of that because the theaters keep that. This movie didn't even turn a profit until DVD and Blu-ray. The film should have made more than that, especially now. I mean, every superhero movie that gets made makes 700 800 million dollars that really shitty spider-man sequel made 700 million dollars plus at the box office so i think warner brothers is aware that you know there was a lot going for the film but there was something that made people not go back to see it again and they want to fix that so while part of me is with you in the sense of oh this is a cop-out this is that at least they're recognizing that maybe they hit a ground rule double instead of a home run. Sports Sorry. totally lost on Sorry me. about that sports <laughs> analogy. I, I do want to point out very briefly, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy made more money than Man of Steel. And Rocket Raccoon, more of a hero than Superman was in Man of Steel. Absolutely. And no learning curve at all there for him. He went from selfish asshole to hero, just like mm-hmm. that. Talking Raccoon. Has more common sense than Superman. Talking Raccoon has more humanity than Superman. The other part of this uh, that I want to talk about, we kind of called. I mean, this is what we wanted to see from this movie. And at the same time, it's kind of frustrating because you shouldn't have to have this in order to justify the first movie. But it seems that Superman uh, is going to feel a little guilt over the destruction and um, grow a conscience in the second movie. Mm -hmm. The review said to deal with the destruction side of things, there are two ways they'll address this in the movie. One being that Superman won't be allowed to uh, into certain airspaces, such as China, because that totally makes sense. Right? Yeah, and from what I understand, when I read the script review, it said something along the lines of, that's a storyline that doesn't go anywhere. It's like a line of dialogue. It doesn't really play out in the plot. And so the reviewer was stating that maybe that was something they were toying with that they do elaborate in the final product or may have been tossed out. Well, you know, maybe it's a, a point that that this is how scared the entire world is, is that other countries he didn't even bother to go into aren't allowing him in there. They're like, dude, he fucked up America. Did you guys see what he did to Metropolis? Holy shit. <laughs> the second is when the film's main villain, um, there's a rumor, I didn't I didn't read it, but apparently there's rumors of who the main villain is. Uh, and anyway, uh, the general says to the military that Superman will move the battle away from populated areas because he's a hero, and that's what heroes do. That's a great sentiment, but those words shouldn't have to be spoken. It sounds right. so awkward. He's a hero, and that's what heroes do. I would rather them show that than have somebody say that. At the same time, how many times have I or we said that in an argument uh, against this movie is that – he should have taken the battle away from population because that's what a hero does. Exactly. Instead of this uh, selfish, superpowered toddler throwing a tantrum. It's a, it's a good sentiment. My concern is that – how can I put this? I would rather this film 
deal with the repercussions of the first film. Uh, in some of our previous podcasts, we talked about the idea of Batman coming to Metropolis because he sees what a dangerous threat uh, mm-hmm. Superman could be. Uh, so I would rather the films, the plot of the film actually deal with the repercussions of the end of the first film. But it sounds to me almost as if they're going to dismiss it with a few lines of dialogue and a 10-minute scene at the beginning of the film to sort of say, oops, sorry about the last film. We've learned since then. I would rather see him learning rather than see him already learned. And that's horrible, improper English. I know that. (laughs) I'm trying to get a point across that. The best way to salvage the first film is to show him learning how to be a better hero rather than, oh, he's already there. And let's throw a few lines of dialogue at the audience to sort of say, hey, don't worry, that's not going to happen again. Uh, This line of dialogue may have been served better by saying it to Superman. Exactly. You have to move the fight out of the population because you're a hero, and that's what heroes do. That's exactly what Batman should say to him. That's the film I think people would want to see would be Batman coming to Metropolis, battling because you always have to have the superheroes battle each other, because he thinks Superman is a threat. Some big bad guy shows up that they both have to join forces to battle, and Batman takes the lead because he's the grizzled older hero. I mean, you you cast Ben Affleck, and they've said they're going to have a Dark Knight Return sort of feel to him. And Superman learns from Batman how to be a hero. He has all the raw strength. He has the power. He has all that sort of gifts that were given to him by his Kryptonian heritage. He has the desire and will to help people. But seeing Batman is how he learns how to do it. I'm not one of those people who thinks Batman is better than Superman. A lot of people do. I'm actually more of a Superman guy. But I think the film would be much more interesting if you have Superman seeing Batman and wanting to emulate that. I mean, here's a guy who doesn't have all the powers he has, doesn't have all the advantages he has, and yet he's more heroic than he is because he actually protects people. That's the movie I want to see. Did you get the uh, the, the other bit of the, uh, the neck snapping? Oh, yeah, yeah. The dialogue about the uh, yeah, because apparently he's going to feel bad for killing Zod. Aww. Yeah, and which is odd because when that happened, people lost their shit. They went insane on that. I was talking, again, to my wife earlier today because I was, I was sort of preparing myself, doing some prep work for the podcast we were going to do tonight. And I looked at her and I said, Zod snapping his neck, you know, or, or him snapping Zod's neck isn't really a great thing, but it's like fourth or fifth on the list of problems I had with that movie. Right, right. That, I mean, at least that I could justify. I mean, he, the position he was put in, no, Superman doesn't kill. That's a big thing for mm-hmm. Superman. But that's the point when I go, okay, but he's new. Exactly. Right? This is where he gets that we don't kill policy is because his first time out being Superman, he's forced to kill. Exactly. And not to mention, it's the only time he seems to give a damn about any of the civilians. Right. You know, any of the, the innocent bystanders is in that seat. So I, I've always felt that was actually the only, I hate to say it, that's the closest Superman scene in that movie. That's the only scene where he's trying to help people, to be honest with you. Right. Where he's trying to save uh, Yeah, I mean, so many people had a problem with that scene, and that's the scene I, I, I thought could have been the most justified. Exactly. But yeah, there's going to be a line of dialogue. According to the script review, there's going to be a line of dialogue where one of the uh, uh, he, he's defeating whoever the big bad guy is, and there's a line of dialogue about, I'm not going to snap your neck, I'm going to take you to jail. But again, heart's in the right place, but I can't help but think that a lot of this stuff is, oh, how can I put this? Part of me thinks that this is, as I said, Warner Brothers realizing they didn't quite have the hit they thought they should have, 
because there was some pushback on the film from the general audience. There was the whole gee whiz. I mean, wow, look at this. It looks great. And everybody loves summer action films and you can do so much with CGI. But there was a, there was enough, mm, this just doesn't feel right that the film didn't get the repeat viewing. So part of me wants to think that Warner Brothers realizes that, that DC realizes that, and they're trying to make a better film. But something about this also comes off as slightly condescending. Like, okay, fine. So he'll move the battle away, or oh, he won't snap a neck. Almost like they're rolling their eyes and they're going to throw two lines of dialogue in there to try and placate everybody who had problems with the movie. Because you know that's the attitude Snyder will take. Uh, when they presented him this idea, he he rolled his eyes and was like, fine, we'll placate the fucking nerds. Uh, him and Goyer, man, they can't open their mouths without pissing me off, I swear. I mean, I'm again, I don't want to throw the movie completely under the bus. I, I think there's some good people involved with it. I've heard some good things about it. And I'm a, I'm a Superman fan. I love what Marvel's been doing, and I would like to see DC sort of get off their asses and get something going here. So there's a part of me that wants to support it, but uh, okay, maybe. Uh, you sort of hope for the best, but expect the worst. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to see the movie and then immediately go, okay, now I have to rewatch Man of Steel. I have to put this in context and, and really look at this as the whole story here together and rewatch Man of Steel instead of going, this is just fucking Man of Steel all over. Yeah, it's Man of Steel with Batman. Oh, and by the way, the same script review says that yet again – we're going to see the death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Again? Again. How many times do we have to kill these people before people get it? <laughs> Apparently. I'm sitting there thinking, really, everybody knows this by now. But, of course, I'm sure Zack Snyder's like, but I can do it in super slow-mo and with all these cool camera angles and make it look amazing. I read that and I was thinking, I, I thought the whole point of grizzled older Batman was, hey, everybody knows the origin story by now. Let's hit the ground running with them. I don't even know what to do with that. That's that's so frustrating. I mean, a movie that's already going to be stuffed to the gills, by the way, with Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, all the ver- I think Aquaman has a small role in it. It's going to be setting up the Justice League films. Do we really need to pause the action in order to yet again show those two people being shot down in an alleyway and a boy going ah? No, no. I mean, it's, it's become a running gag at this point is, is Batman's parents are dead. And this is what he's all about. It's all comes back to his dead parent. That's just frustrating. The next bit of uh, DC news we've got, I just, I can't help but laugh at. It's not unusual for uh, companies to get more than one writer to do a script mm-hmm. and then pick the, the pieces they like. But Warner Brothers, allegedly, it's totally a rumor, mm-hmm. has allegedly hired six different writers to write six different screenplays for Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't know what to say to that. On one hand, I can't blame them. I mean, the last person to pen a screenplay for Wonder Woman was Joss Whedon, and you know they're kicking themselves after that. They're like, okay, I know that we can never get as awesome as that, so we're going to just have six different people <laughs> try to fill those shoes. That's, that's what it's come down to. I, honestly, I really think, since you mentioned that, why the hell aren't they using that script? They own it. Warner Brothers paid for it. They have possession of it. Joss Whedon is doing these Avengers movies that are making all this money. He's shepherding the Marvel films, which are making all this money. Obviously, something is working there. I'm shocked Warner Brothers isn't shooting that script, to be honest with you. It probably deviates too much from what they're already doing with the Man of Steel stuff. This is just really weird news. I've heard in the past that there have been films that have had multiple writers. I know that the Avatar sequels. 
James Cameron had three different sets of writers. But that ended up making sense because there's going to be three sequels in each of those groups of writers are going to be working on each film. So three groups of writers for three films. I've never heard of this many writers, you know, doing this many different screenplays for one film. It sounds like desperation to me, too. I mean, to be honest with you, it's almost like they started on this and they announced this thing and they went, holy shit, what have we got ourselves into? The whole thing reeks of desperation. All the way down to their hiring of a director. They were like, well, we're going to hire a female director. Well, yeah, that's nice, but how about just hiring the best director? Instead, they were doing this whole politically correct thing, which, again, I have no problem with them hiring a female director. I did not like the fact that their concept was, well, we're going to hire only women are going to be considered for this. It just seems like they don't know really what they want to do with it other than not not screw up. I hate to put it that yeah. way. They just – you're right. They're just desperate. There's desperation. But considering some of the other movies that I think they're trying to do, they should feel a little desperate. But Or, or maybe they're just learning from the past. There really should have been a second writer working on the Catwoman screenplay. Right. Just anybody except for that room full of monkeys with typewriters. <laughs> When you have this many different writers working on this many different screenplays, how does that work with any sort of continuity between all the various other films, that sort of shared universe? You gave them all the same plot line. They're like, okay, this is what's going to happen when your movie comes in. This is where you need to be where it ends. Do you know what? They really need a Joss Whedon. They really do need some one person to sort of be shepherding all of this. And I think Zack Snyder is not the person and David Goyer is not the person. I don't even know how connected this stuff's going to be. I mean, The Rock recently tweeted about the uh, the Black Adam movie. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it's going to be a, a Shazam movie. That they're not going to have any connection whatsoever with any of the rest of the Warner Brothers movies, any of the rest of the DC movies. It's going to be its own separate thing with no tie whatsoever to, to the rest of the films. Rock was saying that was a good thing because he said that the film's going to have a much lighter tone. Good. I mean, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah, definitely. But it does make me think that DC is not as serious about this tight continuity as Marvel is. I think there will be between Superman versus Batman and the Justice League films. But I think all of the other characters, I think I think they're going to kind of be on their own, which could be a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just think that if this rumor about six different writers or six different screenplays is true, I think it may also be very uh, illuminating as to the behind-the-scenes aspect of how these films are going to be put together. I just have no confidence in DC or the WB's. I mean, whoever you want to place some blame on here. I don't feel like they have some strong leadership to push them all in one direction. They don't have a Kevin Feige. They don't have a a Joss Whedon to kind of keep everything cohesive. But, you know, Tim Burton said in a recent interview that he expects people to get bored with Marvel's movie formula very soon. I mean, it's only been like a decade, and they've made billions of money. They're only making more money, but he's pretty sure people's going to get tired of that pretty First of all, on some level, I kind of agree with them, but not necessarily Marvel. I think that with all of these superhero films coming out, DC putting out a couple films a year, Marvel putting out a couple films a year, you've also got Fox with the X-Men franchise and Sony with doing whatever the hell they're going to do with Spider-Man. I think there's going to be a lot of superhero films coming out, and I think some of them are going to fall by the wayside. I think we're not that far away from our first flat-out superhero bust of this cycle of superhero films. I mean, we've had Catwoman and things like that. But of the current superhero films, we're going to have a flat-out bust eventually. I don't think it's going to be Marvel because Marvel is has a, almost a seal of quality. So I don't think Tim Burton's right on that. Second, I recently rewatched those Batman films. 
I want to apologize to Joel Schumacher because I used to think <laughs> Joel Schumacher ruined those guys. <laughs> Holy shit. Try watching Batman Returns. Yeah, I, yeah, last time I, I mean, it's been a while since I've watched that one, but even last time I watched it, that was, that was rough to swallow. Batman doesn't show up until 20 minutes into that movie. And then he's on there for about a minute and a half, and then he's gone for another 20 minutes. It's Penguin Returns, is what that movie yeah. is. I think we all look back on those movies with a lot of nostalgia to them. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not going to look to Tim Burton for advice on superhero films. I actually had this very conversation with a friend of mine just, I want to say, yesterday, where I have to agree, it's totally a nostalgia thing. Batman was the first movie I ever saw on the, on the big screen. Oh, okay. It was my first time to a drive-in. So I will never be able to see that first movie and not see Awesome. Oh, yeah. I mean, the first film is better than the second film. It has some great casting in it. Just the other day, you know, Michael Keaton has the new film Birdman coming out. He was doing an interview for the Birdman, and somebody asked him about a quote that Christian Bale said recently. Christian Bale doing press for his Moses movie. I was asked about Ben Affleck. This is really weird. This is an interview about an interview about an interview, actually. (laughs) Uh, Christian Bale uh, was asked about uh, Ben Affleck playing Batman. And Christian Bale said that even though he stepped aside and he's happy he stepped aside, he's going to be kind of jealous about seeing Ben Affleck playing Batman and that he's going to miss that. So go to this other interview with Michael Keaton doing an interview for Birdman. And the reporter asked him about this Christian Bale quote, saying, do you ever feel, you know, look back on Christian Bale or or Ben Affleck and, and feel, you know, jealous or anything like that? And Michael Keaton had a very simple response. He said, no, and I'll tell you why, because I'm Batman. Yeah, you, he couldn't have said anything better. I mean, he put everybody else in their place right in that like, moment. No. And it's true. He was a wonderful Batman. I think a lot of what we like about those first couple films was Keaton's very human performance as Batman. And yeah, it's not like today where there's a superhero film coming out every couple of months. Back then, there were no superhero movies being made, except for the Superman movies. And man, they had fallen on bad times by the time the late 80s had rolled around. There was some really bad Superman movies coming out. But yeah, so anyways, that was my little diatribe there when you brought up Tim Burton. It reminded me of like, I'm not going to go to him for any advice or any information or opinion having to do with superheroes because he has no understanding whatsoever of superheroes. He was far more interested in the villains. That's right. But speaking of villains. Hey, I love segues. <laughs> DC is going to come out with a movie all about villains. Uh, and on paper, I think it's, it, it's a cool, cool idea. The Suicide Squad is a comic book I've always enjoyed, no matter who was writing it, really. I mean, it's just a great concept, and uh, you can go a lot of different directions with it and, and get very crazy. But then you start looking at their casting, and yeah, okay, we, we, we do this a lot. I'm not going to say I do it every time, but a lot. You look at these casting choices and go, what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> and, and I think really on this list there's only one that makes me go, what the fuck were they thinking? We have the list for the Suicide Squad. And this is the list. I mean, everything we've been talking about with Batman versus Superman and the Wonder Woman, those are all rumors. This is – DC's actually announced this. It's going to be uh, David Ayer, I believe, directing this movie. He recently directed Fury, the the Brad Pitt World War II movie. He's a pretty well-known action director. So these are the actual casting, except for one, which may still be a rumor, and we'll get to that in a moment. But everybody else, this is locked in. I'm going to start with my what the fuck were they thinking. Deadshot, who is already established in the Arrow continuity, and I think the guy does a fucking fantabulous job. Yeah, he's the one who killed um, Diggle's brother. brother. 
Right, right, right. And I think that guy does a great job. Every time he's he's on the show, I think he steals every scene he's in. I, I love him. And for the Suicide Squad movie, they're having to be played by Will Smith. I don't have a problem with them flipping braces around because one of my – in fact, I think my favorite new show of this fall has been The Flash, and they flipped mm-hmm. Iris West. I have no problem. I love that show. I love the chemistry between those two actors. I have no problem with Irish West's father being black. I, I think that's great, wonderful, no problem whatsoever. Absolutely, uh, Joe West mm-hmm. needs to give uh, Jonathan Kent some parenting lessons. Oh, he's freaking awesome! I love that relationship between him and Barry. I, I, oh, it's just that show, four stars. So they've already already established that dead shot, and now they're moving in a completely different direction. I think okay. by casting Wilson. And so, okay, I don't have a problem with him being black. Right. That sounds really creepy that I said that. I don't have a problem with them casting a black actor as Deadshot. My problem is it's Will Smith. Will Smith is a very fine actor. I have no problem with that. My problem is it's Will freaking Smith. Do you really think they're going to have him wearing the mask? Right. No, he's he might wear the mask for like one scene, and then they're going to be showing off that $20 million face for the rest of the movie. Okay, there's that. And the fact that it's Will Smith, he's got an ego. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, not that he's not a good guy. He's probably a great guy. But the reason Suicide Squad works is that it's an ensemble. I don't see, I don't see Will Smith playing to an ensemble. My, my other problem is I can't see Will Smith being this character. Um, because Deadshot, he's an assassin Mm -hmm. and he's totally okay with killing people. He has no problem looking you in the eye when he pulls the trigger. It's just a job. And I, I just don't, can't see myself getting that vibe from Will Smith. Again, he's a very good actor, and he could surprise us, but I don't see the studio letting him do that almost. If you cast Will Smith and you pay Will Smith, Will Smith money to be in your movie, he's going to have that mask off. He's going to be showing that face. He's going to be grinning and tossing jokes. It's like when you pay Jack Nicholson lots of money, it's when you want him to play Jack Nicholson. Right. And that's my concern about Will Smith. Right. I'm afraid instead of Deadshot, we're going to get the Fresh Prince of Bel Reed. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me while I laugh at my own joke. <laughs> oh, I am fucking hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, the next cast on the list is somebody that I should probably, I, I, I mean, for the first five seconds, I had a problem with, okay. but uh, given Heath Ledger's performance, I have to give him some, some slack and, and kind of wait and see. They cast Jared Leto as Joker. You know, you look at the, the, the cinematic Jokers, you've got Cesar Romero in the original series, mm-hmm. uh, Jack Nicholson, of course, and Heath Ledger. Jared Leto actually looks the most like the Joker. That's very if true. you look at physically, he looks like the Joker. He's a very good actor. He could play the character. I mean, Jared Leto is very much a crazy motherfucker. I'm, I'm sure he could probably pull it off. It wouldn't be the Joker that anybody else has done so far. I think it'd be a completely different Joker, but I think it'd work. Exactly, and you almost worry that no matter what he does, it's not going to be accepted. Which would be a shame, because I'm sure he'll do a great job. I mean, it's not something you can really compare. You almost have to compartmentalize each Joker. Mm-hmm. And, and say they're all awesome and they're different, and so they can all be awesome equally. Um, my biggest problem with this isn't even the casting. It's the fact they're putting the fucking Joker in the Suicide Squad. If he's the villain of the piece, 
so to speak, since they're all villains. But if he's the villain that these villains are chasing, are you really going to waste the Joker on the Suicide Squad? Why not save him for a Batman movie or a Superman movie? Why not wait just a little bit longer until you get your cinematic universe in line before you bring the Joker out? It just seems an unusual decision. And again, maybe that's what they want. Maybe they're feeling as well, if we bring a Joker out in the first eventual Batman movie, because you know there's going to be a Ben Affleck Batman movie at some point, or as a big villain that the whole Justice League is going after, all the attention will be on it. It will be even harder for Jerry Leto or whoever they would have cast to sort of make the Joker his own. Maybe having him come out in a Suicide Squad, a a quote-unquote lesser film, is the way of softening the blow, and then Joker will show up in a Batman film or in a Justice League film. It's just, it's an unusual decision. It is. The the only way I can see the Joker working in a Suicide Squad, unfortunately, I can't see why they'd cast somebody as as huge and and probably expensive as Jerry Leto, Mm -hmm. is if uh, the Joker was just part of Harley Quinn's backstory. That would be genius. That would be the perfect way of introducing the Joker. Give him one scene. One scene. That gives you enough of a taste that you're like, okay, now I do want to see in the next film. But you're right. They're not going to do that with Jared Leto. I mean, well, I don't know. Because on the other hand, it is going to get a lot of attention and people are really going to be looking at that character. So you do want somebody who's really going to nail it and, and, and drive that role home. So maybe you do need somebody like Jared Leto. Like I said, I think he's going to be great. Physically, he is the Joker, and he's a very good actor. I just – I get the same reaction that I'm getting when they announce Batman and Man of Steel. Like, wow, already? Really this fast? Ironically, for a company that has six writers working on six scripts for one movie, they're trying to do everything at once. This would be the same as Marvel doing Iron Man 2 and sticking Captain America and Thor, you know, and, and Agent Carter and everybody in little cameo scenes in Iron Man 2. You know, it's it's like, let's let's let it breathe a little bit. But Joker's in it. Jared Leto's a very good actor. It's an unusual choice to have him be in that film. But, hey, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. If it's going to go in the direction, I think, that they're actually going to put him as a, you know, backstory character and, that the, and they're going to get somebody like Jared Leto who can do the role just for something so small, I think that the reason that I, I don't, I can't believe that is that it shows a little more forethought than we're used to seeing from <laughs> some of these films. It seems like they're putting a little more thought. I, maybe I'm giving them like way too much benefit here, but you know what they should do, but they What's won't. What's that? Don't have Joker be in the film. Have Joker be in Harley Quinn's head. Like the little devil on her shoulder, so to speak throughout the whole film. Joker pops up in these little hallucinations, these little mad diatribes, so to speak, that Harley Quinn has. That way it's not really the Joker, but it's still introducing the Joker for his eventual arrival in whatever film he comes in. And you can shoot it very creatively, you know, where sometimes you're seeing his face, sometimes you're not seeing his face, sometimes you're letting his voice carry it. You know, have him be the little devil on her shoulder, so to speak. I mean, Harley Quinn's insane and obsessed with the Joker. That would be brilliant. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, she could see him in, in reflections and stuff. And um, yeah, that'd be that'd be awesome. Again, way too much credit for these films, but uh, that would be really really cool. I mean, that'd be and it would I mean really highlight how crazy she is, and, and I think would bring her in a really great direction. And speaking of Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie. Mm-hmm. I saw Margot Robbie in The Wolf of Wall Street, and she was good. She's she's a tall, blonde, Grace Kelly kind of actress. I mean, very, very beautiful actress. I haven't seen enough of her work to really get an idea of whether or not she can handle the flat-out crazy of Harley Quinn because her character in Wolf of Wall Street is sort of an ice queen 
But I have heard critics say that her work in Australia, she's an Australian actress, is very good and that she does have some real chops as an actress. So I, I guess it's a good casting. I, I'd like to see somebody a little bit more off kilter in the role, but why not give her a shot? Sure, yeah. I mean, Harley's been done several different ways, so I'm, I'm willing to let her give, you know, give her a shot. What I think the one thing that she has to absolutely nail in order to make this character happen, no matter how she plays or no matter what version she goes with, she has to nail that voice. She has to be able to do the Harley Quinn's voice, and then, then it will all fall into place after that. Next casting news, which I thought was actually kind of interesting considering his ties to DC movies, uh, Tom Hardy will be playing Rick Flagg. He's got quite a few films under his belt already. He was excellent in Inception. Obviously, he was one of the only good things about Dark Knight Rises. Have you seen the Mad Max trailer, by the way? I have not, no. Oh, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I was very concerned about that film because I love the Mad Max films. But that trailer makes me think, okay, this is just going to be flat out insane, which is good. So he has that, and now he has this. He's uh, He's got a series of big films coming out, and I, I haven't been disappointed in him. I've been disappointed in some films he's been in, but I haven't been disappointed in him. So, yeah, I that's one of the better bits of casting news that I've heard coming out of DC recently. Well, I, we, I was talking to you about it the other day. I saw a film with him recently called Lawless, mm-hmm. and uh, Shadow of the Both, which was actually a really great movie. I loved him in it, and... Uh, uh, but he did play Bane in Dark Knight Rises. Speaking of which, I just suddenly remembered, did I send you the link of the fan theory about Bane actually being on Batman's side? I think it's a very good idea, but I think they're actually caring more about the film than the Nolans did. <laughs> That's probably true. I hate to say it because every because Dark Knight was such a masterpiece, mm-hmm. and Batman Begins was such a well-thought-out film, I continue more and more to become convinced that Dark Knight Rises was a cash grab by the Nolans. That it was just sort of like, what, you'll pay us how much money to make this movie? Sure, we'll put a screenplay together real fast. Uh, let's see, rest of the cast is Jai Courtney as uh, Captain Boomerang, right? Yeah, I think that's good casting. I've, I uh, saw Jai Courtney in the most recent Die Hard movie, Die Hard Goes to Moscow or whatever it was called. The film itself isn't that great, but I was concerned going in because it was the whole, well, now they're going to pass the torch to John McClane's son. Mm-hmm. And that always sucks when they do that because everybody want you want to see the guy. You know, you don't right. want to see the kid. The kid's annoying. Jai Courtney played his son, and he actually has a ruggedness to him that I thought really worked. And you bought the character as McClane's son. You don't see that kind of ruggedness among younger Hollywood actors nowadays. There's a... I don't want to say a softness. Well, yeah, I'm going to say it. There's a softness. You know, they're pretty boys. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a masculinity to him. He looks pretty good in the trailer for the Terminator. Terminator, we don't know how to spell Genesis. So, yeah, it's it's good casting. He's a good actor. And uh, I think Captain Boomerang, though you know they're not going to call him Captain Boomerang. There's no way the new modern, we're serious and dark and brooding DC is going to call him Captain Boomerang. My only issue with this, my only issue is that I go back to Deadshot, where you already have an established actor for that now in the Arrow series. I wish they'd take all of this energy they're pouring into this movie and funnel it into a Suicide Squad spinoff TV show or give those characters their own movie or... I mean, those actors have done so well with those. I love those characters. I mean, Captain Boomerang was always one of those characters in the comic books that I thought was really dumb and kind of lame and... 
and it really took a, a really good writer to put them in a story that I enjoyed. And Arrow took him and made him a badass. I mean, oh, you really yeah. believe that dude was was uh, just a badass, right? And and so I, I really would have loved to see them take those established characters and the Suicide Squad they've already established there and do something with that than to try mm-hmm. and, and shoehorn this movie in on us with big-name actors that are going to take it in a completely different direction. And so that's my only complaint about it. You know they're not going to call him Captain Boomerang. If they call him Boomerang at all, it'll be a joke. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought the actor who played him on Arrow did a great job. I like the interpretation of the character on Arrow. But DC seems hell-bent on keeping their television and film divisions separated. And I kind of can't blame them because I don't want DC movies fucking up my DC television. That's very true. I love my DC TV right now. Just let them do what they're going to do. And like you, I'd love to see a Suicide Squad TV series. And that's still very much possible. I believe I, I remember reading an interview with Jeff Johns where he said that um, the way they're going to have a Flash TV show and a Flash movie with different actors playing the role is DC has always been more about the multiverse. So the TV is sort of its own thing. So I think a Suicide Squad TV show is still possible. I think it's a bit more unlikely, though, because people will expect it to be a spinoff of the movie. Right. Yeah, I think it'll be harder to do. But they can always do it under a different title. That's true. Agents of Argus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to butcher this last name. Why don't you do it for me? It's Kara... Delavine? Sure, let's go with that. Who's playing the sorceress? I guess that begs the question, is this going to tie into the rest of the Justice League movies? Because they're so set against the magical element there and, and the fantasy element, and sorceress was a part of that. Like you, I can't imagine them bringing in the magical element into the DC universe. How long has um, Guillermo del Toro been trying to get Justice League Dark off the ground? Right, right, yeah. When they announced all 27 titles that they were going to be putting out, I didn't see Justice League Dark there. And they have a writer-director who's been developing that for about a good six or seven years now. Yeah. They've just made it clear they have no desire to do magic or supernatural in the DC Cinematic Universe. The last cast we have here uh, isn't confirmed. It was just reported. However, I'm super happy with this considering the short list I saw. At least it's not Oprah. Uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. I like that casting. Viola Davis is a great actress. Oh, yeah. I also like that it's it's my Amanda Waller in a lot of ways. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's the pre-New 52 Amanda Waller. Now, granted, Viola Davis is not as large as Amanda Waller was at that time, but she's mature. Yes, yeah. The new Amanda Waller is like a 25-year-old runway mop. Right. And I've never been a fan of that. That's a misstep, in my opinion, on the New 52. And it's a misstep on the DC television side as well. I agree. I mean, as heavy set as the original Amanda Waller is, they had to go in the other extreme for the TV show. And she's, like, super skinny. Like, throw a cheeseburger at the woman. She's so skinny. And and the, the other thing is, the, it's a fine character, but I don't. it's not Amanda Waller for me. Amanda Waller, no matter what you'd seen her in the comic books, the, the cartoons... She's a bitch on wheels. I mean, and you knew without a, a shadow of a doubt that woman would take you out. And I mean, even the Justice League Unlimited cartoons, and she was even, uh, you saw an older version of her in the Batman Beyond cartoons, and every single one of them, she was a badass. And I don't get that from the Arrow and the Waller. But I think that Davis could totally pull that off. Yeah, she looks like she can command, especially with this group of actors. You need somebody who you think can come in and just, like, put them in their place. Like, yes, ma'am, whatever you say, ma'am. And she has that. If, in fact, they do have her cast in this role, excellent casting. Probably, next to Jared Leto, the best casting on the board. 
So I can't do just DC without having to throw some Marvel in there. But uh, it was a little bit of uh, Marvel news this week. They did finally officially announce the Doctor Strange casting. Benedict Cumberbatch. My wife and I actually just spent the first week and a half of December re-watching Sherlock. We've decided to make this a Christmas tradition. Nine days of Sherlock. Watching a different Sherlock every single night. And it just reminded me what an extraordinary, extraordinary actor he is. He is so good. And he's going to kick ass as Doctor Strange. Yeah, I'm all for this. I have a little bit of reservation as to the future of the character. Because they've kind of gone with relative unknowns for, for the stars of these movies. I think that has played in their favor. And then we get to this, and they're casting Benedict, who is huge and everywhere and in everything, and everybody loves him. And I kind of have reservations as to the future of this character and how how involved he's going to be with the overall movies. But I think for his own film, I think it's a brilliant choice. There had been rumors that they needed to get this casting done fast. That is, they needed to get a signature on a contract quick because there's going to be some reshoots of Avengers Age of Ultron in the very beginning of January. And supposedly, Doctor Strange is going to make an appearance in those reshoots as a way of introducing the character. Just a small scene. They needed to get that done because also in January, Cumberbatch starts shooting the Sherlock Christmas special. So if they were going to have him do it, they needed to get him signed before the date for shooting Sherlock began, which also explains why it took so long to get the contract signed. I found out that he just signed a contract to do two more series, a total of, I think, six more episodes of Sherlock. So I'm sure that when it came time to signing the big nine or ten film contract that all these actors signed with Marvel, there was a lot of conversations between Marvel's lawyers and the BBC's lawyers to make sort of set up shooting dates, windows, so to speak, mm-hmm. that Sherlock could be filmed and yet he'd be available for the Marvel films. Ironically, this sort of business news, the sort of the, the boring legal news, made me kind of excited for two reasons. One, more Sherlock. That's always good. And two... He's basically going to be locked into playing Doctor Strange and Sherlock for the next several years, and basically that's it. And that makes me think he must really want to play this character. Because right now he is so hot. He can be in anything he wants to be in. And with this contract and with the Sherlock contract, he's sort of saying, yep, just this, because he's not going to have much free time between those two. And he's already shown a great deal of affection for Sherlock. He's mentioned several times he wants to play that character until he's old and gray. Mm. You know, he loves that character. It seems like he wants to make that kind of a commitment to Stephen Strange. You and I have said several times when an actor shows passion for the character they're playing, we love that. Right, it makes all the difference. Yeah. So just great news that he's been signed. And great news, if the rumors are true, that he's going to be shooting a small cameo scene in Avengers Age of Ultron. So I think our next podcast won't be until after the holidays, so we should probably wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and Yule and the whole nine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm going to be out of town. We're going to go see the in-laws up in the mountains of New Mexico. Do you guys have any sort of Christmas planned other than, you know, you guys have like 27 children up there, so it's always Christmas. (laughs) That's right, that's right. Uh, No, we've got a a couple of family things we're doing, but it's actually going to be pretty low-key this year, so. Loki. Nice. <laughs> I see what I did there. I see what you did there, yeah. So, yeah, we're going to wish everybody a uh, happy happy Christmas. As they say in Britain, they say happy Christmas, not Merry Christmas. I learned that watching Sherlock. And we'll be back in the new year. 
we'll be doing a uh, podcast reviewing all of our favorite shows that aired in the fall that are now currently on their uh, their winter hiatus and get that podcast out there right before the shows come back. And, of course, Geek News is year-round. There'll be something else around the corner. There's always more for us to geek on. Absolutely. won't be long before Zack Snyder or David Goyer pisses us off again. So, well, happy holidays, everybody. Happy holidays. Have a good one. All right, so I think that's it for this week. The kick-ass music at the beginning end of the podcast is Big Damn Heroes, and you can find out more about them at facebook.com slash bigdamnheroespan. And you can always hit us up at facebook.com slash geekinpodcast, and feel free to follow us at twitter.com slash geekinpodcast. And, of course, the address for the blog is geekinpodcast.blogspot.com. We'll be seeing you soon. Well, on the front end, it's blown.